2: We've got to get the country back on the right track with the most inspiring agenda. A voice in the desert. Now, here's Crystal
1: Heath. You have to understand who God is and who His Son is, and you have to understand what God says about your sin, and from there you realize that, hey, you know, I am a sinful person, and my sin has separated me from uh, an eternal, perfect God. And, but there's a backup plan to that. He sent his son Jesus, and I believe that you know, Jesus is, is the son of God, is God. He came here, he died on the cross for my sins, your sins, everybody's sins, everybody who's willing to accept that truth. And uh, if you're able to put your trust in him and, and confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is who he says he is, then from there you can initiate a relationship with him. But I also believe that repentance is a big part of that as well. Um, You have to turn from your old life of sin and try to, you know, model uh, a Christ-like life. And I think that that's something that we'll never fully figure out on this side of glory, but it's certainly one day at a time process that I've been so blessed to be on uh, for the last 25 or so years.
3: And that was New England's Patriots All-Pro special teams player, now Super Bowl champion, Matthew Slater. He was sharing the gospel during a media interview leading up to Super Bowl 51 in Houston. Congrats to the Patriots on their stellar comeback victory in the Super Bowl. I'm Crystal Heath. You're listening to The Fertile Show on 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas. I apologize. I've been out the past few days. I've been sick for about five days. Uh, Woke up yesterday morning and uh, just really... Uh, talking was incredibly painful, so radio was out, but I uh, hope you all enjoyed Otto Koning with the pineapple story while I was uh, I was gone. Still working on the head cold thing, so my voice is not quite where it should be, but uh, we're going to try and get through this. Alright, since I haven't been here since the, the Super Bowl, we have to start with that. If you're a Patriots fan, you may want to turn this off right now, because I'm probably going to irritate some of you with what I'm about to say, but... You know, I, 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 I'm not trying to take anything away from what the Patriots did. I mean, they had a great comeback. They had two two point conversions in a row. That is spectacular. Um, and, and they scored 25 unanswered, I believe it was. But to be perfectly honest with you, personally, I feel that it was more of a Falcons loss. Than it was of a Patriots win, right? Because the Falcons are just dominating, 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 and they got down to what was it like the the somewhere between like the twenty and thirty yard line with less than two minutes in the game, and they try to pass the ball. Now I love Kyle Shanahan. I, I wish he would have come over uh, to the Broncos because the Shanahan family has a lot of history in Denver, and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, has now been hired by the 49ers as their head coach. How is this relevant? Kyle Shanahan is the offensive coordinator or was, rather the offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons. Why you try to throw the football in that scenario when you could kick a field goal and practically the game is basically over if Atlanta kicks a field goal at that point. At any point, actually. <laughs> there came a point in the 4th quarter where all they had to do was all they needed was a field goal. They just had to turn it back into a two-score game and then it was Essentially impossible. And you're going to say, well, it was impossible as it was. The Patriots were amazing. No, if they had kicked a field goal in that point, they would have been fine. And then penalties. Like they just, they got like three or four plays in a row. Penalty, penalty, penalty. Backup, 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 backup. The Falcons shot themselves in the foot, and and it was like, they shot themselves in one foot, that wasn't enough, so let's stick out the other foot, oh, we'll shoot ourselves in that foot, oh, you know what, still, we're not hurting enough, Let's, uh, let's take an arm, here, shoot myself in that hand, okay, all right, now another hand, shoot myself in that hand, all right, now let's see if the Patriots can beat us. That's how I felt it went down. Now, it was an epic comeback by the Patriots. But from my personal standpoint, to me it looked more like the Falcons were just like boom, 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 boom. Let us see if we can self-destruct and how quickly we can do it. And if we leave the Patriots enough time to recover from our self-destruction. I felt so, so terrible for Falcons fans on Sunday night. Because to me it was just an implosion by the Falcons more than a epic win by the Patriots although it was a fantastic comeback I'm not saying that they didn't have a great comeback I'm just saying I I think it tended more to the side of Atlanta just self-destructed in an utterly epic horrific manner for people who are Falcons fans and I feel for Matt Ryan because he this was his year man How I felt for Matt Ryan was similar to how I felt for Peyton Manning when the Broncos lost to the Seahawks. Like That was Peyton Manning's year. He was uh, NFL uh, MVP. He smashed record after record after record. Gets to the Super Bowl. Broncos are supposed to win. Peyton Manning's going to be on top again. And then just, no, didn't work out that way. Kudos to Tom Brady on his fifth Super Bowl ring. That's pretty historic. By the way, did you know there's only one team that Tom Brady has a losing record to? Oh yeah, that would be the, the Broncos, but you know. Alright, we'll, <laughs> we'll move on now. Next week is Valentine's Day. This is your reminder. This is your six-day reminder for those of you that have a um, spouse or or girlfriend or wannabe girlfriend you still have a few days left to get something you could probably even order something walmart's doing two-day free shipping now trying to beat out amazon so you can even get something on walmart or you can buy something in person whatever it is you need to do i'm just letting you know valentine's day is now less than a week away i actually really enjoy doing the valentine's day show so you want to tune in tuesday for that because we talk about the history of the thing I'm also excited because my brother John is coming to town this week, and uh, he's going to be here for a while. We're going to do fun things, and I'm pumped about that. All right, so uh, big news of the weekend, of course, being um, two things, really. Well, we've got Jeff Sessions. His confirmation hearings are going on right now, I believe, if you're listening to us live anyway. Uh, Then we also had uh, Betsy DeVos has been confirmed as the education uh, secretary. She... uh, Where was this? Vice President Mike Pence. He cast a historic tie-breaking vote to confirm uh, Betsy DeVos. The Senate was tied on her nomination at 50-50, and uh, as president of the Senate, Mike Pence cast the tie breaking vote and voted to uh confirm her. As Fox News noted, Pence's vote marked the first time in American history a vice president has broken a tie on a cabinet nominee's Senate confirmation and the first tie breaking vote by a vice president since two thousand eight. So essentially um uh Who would, Vice President Dick Cheney would have been the last vice president to cast a tie breaking uh, vote. The Senate being equally divided, the vice president votes in the affirmative and the nomination is confirmed, was Pence's words in the Senate. DeVos has been one of the most controversial picks for President Donald Trump's cabinet. So uh, I want to talk about that for just a minute here, So because we've had objections to her nomination uh, from both sides of the aisle. So on the left, you have teachers' unions, which are not pleased with her nomination. And then you have the grassroots of the GOP that want to see uh, the Federal Education Department uh, dismantled or having a lot less power, and uh, they're not big fans of Ms. DeVos either. So what, uh, what do we think? of of uh of Betsy DeVos Well here's here's what I think, all right? Here's what you need to know. It is true that she did support common core. She now says that she does not. Uh is it possible that she changed her mind? Is it possible that someone could support something and then no longer support it? I I would think so. To me, it is concerning that she supported Common Core, but I also don't have and or concerning rather that she did and now says she didn't. I, I'm not a big fan of the uh, of the evolving to fit whatever office I've come into, but you know, I, I but personally, I don't have as big of a problem with Common Core as a lot of other people do because I, having worked in Pennsylvania when Common Core was being quote unquote enacted in Pennsylvania, was able to sit through so many presentations from experts uh both of those that opposed it and of those that supported it it's really it's not a curriculum it's a set of guidelines so and that's a debate that people will have over and over and over again but i know for a fact that at least well anyway I mean, this is not a conversation about common core we're going to leave that for now if you want to talk to me about common core i'd be happy to do that with you um The other thing about Betsy DeVos is that uh, her support for local-level control has been in question, and that is also accurate. She is not a huge proponent of local-level governance of school and education. She doesn't have an education background, really, but at all. But you know that said, she's most likely not going to murder your children in their sleep. I I have come to that conclusion. And I mean, I'm I'm by no means an education expert, but here are the f- things that I really like about Devos. So those are the those are the concerns, and they're legitimate concerns. I believe. I think that we can be uh, supportive of a president or, or someone else that's in office and still recognize that people have legitimate concerns. I am not of the belief in any means that just because someone has the, your letter after their name, meaning R or D or I or whatever else, uh, that you have to vehemently defend everything they do or say. Because I think that is what turns off young people, especially to politics. Because it's hypocrisy. If their guy does it and it's wrong, but our guy does it and it's okay, then that doesn't work out. So I think we need to be more objective in how we look at things. And I've said that with, 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 the pres- with President Trump all along. I said prior to the election, if he does what he says he is going to do, then he will be a good president. And I hope that he will be successful if he does what he says he will do. But we had no way of knowing that. And now we get to watch and see, and so far he's done a pretty good job of doing what he said he would do. But, okay, so with Betsy DeVos, I I think it is foolish of us to say that there are no legitimate concerns with her nomination. I think there are legitimate concerns. But there's also the flip side of that. I think it would be also foolish of us to not recognize that there are some serious pros to having Betsy DeVos nominated. Personally, personally. I like Betsy DeVos as the education secretary pick. Here's why. Number one, I love that she is a committed Christian. I love that that is, where, that that is the worldview with which she is looking at life. You say, well, that has nothing at all to do with education. Well, I, I disagree on that, but we can have that conversation another time as well. But to, to, to address specifically to education... DeVos served on Jeb Bush's education foundation. Now, like Jeb Bush or don't like Jeb Bush, that's not the point here. The point is, <coughs> excuse me, my voice is starting to go. The point is, what Jeb Bush did for students in Florida was truly amazing. Students' grades in Florida and graduation rates in Florida under Jeb Bush and through Jeb Bush's plan saw, saw significant positive improvement. And it worked so well that it was praised by individuals on both sides of the aisle, including by President Obama himself. And I believe that Betsy DeVos will form her school choice initiative in like manner to what Bush uh, did in Florida and the success he found there. I don't think her ultimate goal is to destroy or dismantle the public school system. I think that her goal is to give people options and to and in giving those options to help students receive better education. And I think that's a good thing. Uh, then three, if you have former education secretary and current chairman of the Senate's Education Committee, Lamar Alexander, he's also the architect of the ESSA, he has expressed support for her nomination. Which really, if, if you're willing to look at it objectively, if you this should be especially comforting to you if you fall on the left side of the aisle. I don't think it's a problem if you fall on the right, but if you're on the left, you have the guy that wrote the ESSA that's saying, hey, I, I like her. That's kind of a, a big deal, in my opinion, for especially if you're falling on the, on the left side, on the teacher union side. This, this doesn't jive with the whole teacher union not a good pick when you have Lamar Alexander saying, hey, good pick. And then last but not least, as someone who was homeschooled, I very much appreciate her support of homeschooling and of school choice in general. I understand that homeschooling isn't for everyone. But as someone who is homeschooled and as someone who understands why some parents do choose to homeschool, I think that it is fantastic that we now have an education secretary that supports homeschooling and school choice and vouchers, and giving people opportunities to help their students be the best they can possibly be. Now, I doubt that Betsy DeVos is going to be a perfect education secretary, that she's always going to get everything right, because I have yet to meet a perfect politician in any office, state or federal. And again, I I, I do find it kind of concerning that she has no background in education. But, Since she is now filling this role, like it or don't like it, Betsy DeVos is now the education secretary. So I am choosing to focus on the potential positive outcomes of her nomination. And as with every other government official, what we should be doing and what I plan to do is to pray for her to have wisdom and for God to use her in a positive way to impact the education system in our country. Because that's what I can do. And that's pretty much all I can do. My liking her or not liking her is not going to change the fact that she is now the Education Secretary. And by the way, I I like her overall. All I'm trying to say in this segment is that I think we have to recognize when people have concerns and we need to discuss those concerns. And then we need to recognize that although we may have concerns, there could also be some serious good here. And... Personally, I fall much more on the side of, I think she can do a lot of good while we recognize these concerns, but I think the potential is incredibly high. And I'm excited about Betsy DeVos being our education secretary, and I think it's kind of really cool that Vice President Pence uh, casts a tie-breaking vote on that. And uh, I I think you're going to see some interesting things happen in the next... Uh, I'm gonna have to take a break here because I'm I'm physically <laughs> going to be needing to take a break uh, because my head is about to Well, anyway. Um oh, okay. When you when you really need to <laughs> blow your nose, let me just put it this way, when you really need to blow your nose it makes it very hard to concentrate on what you're trying to say. So now you, now you know what I'm struggling with right here, right now. So let me just tell you about Mario Giannini State Farm Insurance. They're one of our KVXL sponsors. They offer all types of insurance, including but not limited to auto, home, and life insurance. If you have something that can or should be insured, they can help you out. And if you mention KVXL when you call Mario g and State Farm for a no-obligation insurance quote, they're going to donate $10 to Experience Liberty Radio. You can reach Mario's team at 702-982-3300, and we'd like to thank them for their faithful support of our weekly programming. All right, we're going to take a break so that I can blow my nose and I'm going to play At the Cross here from uh, Hillsong and then we will be back Pastor Tice is going to join us to talk about his new book Raising God's Kids in Sin City you don't want to miss that we'll be back in just a minute don't go away alright welcome back you're listening to The Friddle Show on KVXL 101.1 FM Experience Liberty Radio here in Las Vegas we have Dr. David Tice with us today I like calling you Dr. Tice I don't get to do that very often <laughs>
0: Well, it's good to be here, Doctor. Uh, yes,
3: that's actually what I was going for. So, it, thank you, yes. thank you, because I don't get called that very often either. Uh, except by I
0: hope the, I hope the radio audience uh, understands uh, that you are a PhD, <laughs> that you have uh, and earned a doctorate, and that's amazing.
3: No, it's a, yes, it is amazing. Actually, It amazes me every time somebody says it. But um, maybe we should talk about what you're actually here to talk about. Yeah, rather I'm, than our than our vast education. <laughs> Okay. You wrote a new book about raising God's kids in Sin City. What's it called?
0: It's called Raising God's Kids in Sin City, and it's all about how to raise your children in a corrupt culture. Yeah. Uh, several years ago, I had a um, missionary say to me, how in the world did you wind up raising kids who want to serve the Lord uh, uh, in the culture that we live in? I, there's so many pastors who have their children who have gone astray, and uh, yet your kids seem to love the Lord. Uh, I thought about that. I went home that evening. I was supposed to speak to an entire missionary group the next day, and uh, my wife and I wrote down 13, what we called 13 powerful Ps for parenting, and uh, uh, since that time, I've been asked to speak in many different venues. Uh, about parenting and uh, we hold family life conferences here Uh, people have asked me how how to raise children we have five children uh, two boys who are in the ministry and three uh, girls who are also ministering uh, in different avenues of life and uh, loving the Lord serving the Lord and happy in the ministry so uh, we took time to take those 13 principles and put them into a book. And actually, we've been working on this book for about the last six years and just finished it last year, and uh, it just came off the printing press within this past week. So uh, uh, it'll be very, very, I think, very helpful to anyone. The cost of the book is $10, and what we're doing with the uh, the funds that come in, I will make not one dime off this book. Uh, all the money that comes in from the sale of this book will go to uh, finish our building project that's here at uh, here at uh, Liberty Baptist Church. So you could, in all actuality, uh, you could say, "Hey, I would like to make a donation sure. uh, to Liberty Baptist Church." Of it's got to be over ten dollars. It's got to be yeah. You can make a donation to the to, to the church of $100, we'll send you a gift of, of the book for absolutely free, but the cost to purchase the book is $10, uh, and uh, but it'd be well worth
3: it. Yeah, and it's a really sharp-looking book. It really looks very nice, um, and I think what you're going for maybe with the title, Raising God's Kids in Sin City. So having grown up in Pennsylvania, when I first moved out to Las Vegas, everyone assumed that I was coming here for bad things because if you don't live in Nevada or on the West Coast, I think you have a very different perception of Las Vegas, and I think that's reflected in your title. So, you know, it's it's in many ways different than, say, raising kids in another city, but in other ways, the same. Yeah. So,
0: you know, um, when I was going to school in 1977, uh, even earlier than that, the Gaithers came through. They were singing mm-hmm. a song, and in the, in the beginning of their song... Uh, Uh, I can't even remember the name of the song right now, but she did a recitation. And in that recitation, she talks about uh, the fact that she recently had a newborn baby. Mm. And as she held that newborn baby in her hand, she thought, wow, look at what's going on in our culture. This was back in 1970. I said 77, 72, 73. She uh, she said, "Man, look at what's going on in our culture." She said, "It's falling apart, and there's all sorts of wickedness all around us." And now I'm holding this baby in my hand, and it's a newborn baby, and I realize this is this is not a doll. This is life, and I'm responsible to bring up this child. Yeah. And she said, she said. Uh, uh, she, the whole point was if it wasn't for the cross, if it wasn't for Christ, we wouldn't be able to do that. But we can do all things through Jesus Christ. Um, I remember hearing that and thinking, Man, I'm gonna, I'm moving out to Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and uh, I want to make sure that my children live for the Lord Jesus Christ. We've always, even though I was born and raised here, we've always thought of Las Vegas as a mission field, mm-hmm. a place where. People come to satisfy the flesh, but we're here to share with them, hey, satisfaction comes through Jesus Christ. So we, uh, we wanted to write a book that would say, hey, here's how we did it. Mm-hmm. And if we did it, yeah. trusting in Christ, because we certainly are, are two imperfect people, uh, me more so than my wife, but we are two imperfect people, and yet God allowed us to raise our children. To want to serve the Lord and they're all serving the Lord and we have now 14 grandchildren and they're happy serving the Lord, uh, you can raise kids who are not rebellious that want to do what's right mm-hmm. uh, in the midst of a corrupt culture. And uh, so that's what this book's all about.
3: And it's 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 basically a matter of if we could do this in Sin City, that's right. Then you can do this anywhere because the, the fifth is it thirteen principles or fifteen principles.
0: Um, there's about actually it's got to about fifteen.
3: Okay, I, mean, I yeah. thought it might have grown a little bit, but the principles themselves are universal, regardless of if you're in Sin City or if you're out on a farm in Iowa.
0: That's exa- that's exactly right. So. Um, the the We talk about praying with your kids, we talk about playing with your kids, we talk about proper discipline, we talk, mm-hmm. we, we in here recommend other books that, that uh, we found that were helpful. Um, we talk about how to uh, guard against negative influences, and uh, we talk about how to avoid provoking your children to wrath. The Bible says, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord parents do a lot of things that provoke their children to wrath and they wonder why their kids have an attitude towards them um first of all living the christian life is the greatest thing in the whole world mm-hmm. and we have the god of creation that lives inside of us and so we have a lot that we can say to our kids hey there's a lot of positive things uh, but there are again we can even in the midst of living the christian life we can instill negative reactions in our children sure and um Uh, So the whole point, again, in that section is teaching people, look, avoid certain things and cling to other things and they can help you raise your children for the glory of Christ.
3: Yeah. And I think you give away a big key in the title because the title isn't Raising My Kids in Sin City.
0: That's right. It's God's kids. And if we realize that, if we realize from the very beginning that everything we own belongs to God and Mm -hmm. God has entrusted, God can entrust nothing greater to you. In this world, than a life to bring up for His glory, and uh, when we realize the awesome responsibility and the great privilege that God's given us, then even though it's a somewhat scary, we don't just endure our mm-hmm. children; we enjoy them and we thank God for them. The Bible says, "Children are a heritage of the Lord," yes, and the fruit of the womb is His reward. So it's a wonderful thing to be able to raise them. And, and so I just want to encourage everybody. If you can uh, get a copy of this book, cause it'll be a, yeah. it'll be a help and it'll be an encouragement to you. And, uh, they'll be on sale in the church. You can pick them up by going to, uh, my website. You can go or to, to the Liberty website. You can check, uh, um,
3: yeah, so it would be at experienceliberty.com dot com or on dave dot com. Yes. I believe they're both there, and then obviously we'll have them in our bookstore here on campus. Yes, in Las Vegas. Um, I'm gonna put you on the spot and ask you one more question here. Okay, there are a lot of books about parenting out there. What sets your book apart? Why should people buy buy your book?
0: Well, there are there's a lot of good books about yeah. parenting. You're gonna read this. There's a couple things. Let me say this. I wrote this book in a in in a fashion that it's easy to read yes i was I to-
3: hoping that's where you're going <laughs> I, I tell people
0: i tell people i like books with wide margins big prints and yeah. lots of pictures well we don't have a, a lot of pictures in here in fact we got one pretty picture on the front uh, and that's it uh, <laughs> the uh, uh, but it's easy to read mm-hmm. we deliberately didn't make this a 400 page manual
3: mm-hmm.
0: uh, that's hard to figure out it's very simple you could sit down and read this book uh in a matter of three or four hours even if you're a slow reader like me Mm -hmm. you could read this book in three or four hours and uh it's a reference book you can mark it up it's um and you can go back and say hey let me look at that. Yep. Hey, let me go back and see. Hey, I'm, right now I'm having a problem with discipline. Hey, right now I'm having a problem teaching. Hey, right now my, my kids don't seem to be responding well to me. Mm-hmm. And you can go back and use it and reference. Uh, you know, parenting is a. You don't get to practice it. You, you start. Well, you, you yeah. practice
3: on the first one. I, right. I know this because <laughs> I happen to be one. Yeah, well. But. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting.
0: I think, I think first children are normally the the more difficult ones to to I've raise. heard that. Yeah, I have never are.
3: seen it ever. A, but the,
0: when, I've heard that. When you get down to the baby of the family, <laughs> the babies are just the babies of the families are always so much easier and mm. so much Yes, the babies more are always perfect. I've yes, heard that. They are that's the truth. <laughs> so I I've learned that from experience. Okay.
3: If Hope is listening, I'm sure she agrees. Well,
0: well, my wife is a firstborn and or a last born and so am I. Oh, I see. So we've got so
3: many things make sense now. No, I'm just kidding. But birth order is fascinating, the studies on birth order. But yeah, that's what I love. When I picked up your book, I picked it up a couple days ago and was just skimming through it when they came into the office, is that it's it's very simple. It's not in that the truth is not profound, but that it's easy to read and easy to understand. It's not something that's written, you know, that you have to have a master's degree to comprehend how you could possibly raise your children in a godly manner. It's something that anyone can pick up. I think even people without children that are planning on having children down the road, it's, it's a very informative
0: book. I think it's ex, it, it's an excellent book for um, for uh, even grandparents to read yes. because it'll help you help your children. I've had, I, in fact, a grandpa, a great-grandpa, uh, uh, picked one up the other day and, uh, and took it home and started to read it. And mm. he called me up and he said, this is wonderful. Yeah. I wish I'd have known this uh, 40 years ago. And then he said, um, he said, uh, but I'm going to, I'm going to come in and back four or five of them for my kids mm-hmm. and for my grandkids. So, um, it, it's just, it's, there's timeless information and, uh, it'll be a real help.
3: It will be a help. And it's for a great cause. It's, to, it's the profits are going towards the construction project. So it's a, it's a win-win all the way around. You can yeah. have better, wonderful children, and help put in our parking lot.
0: That's right. That's exactly right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you can find the book at com or over at com. It's Raising God's Kids in Sin City, or you can pick it up here on Sunday morning. Be here at 9.30 or 11.15. Did you want to talk about uh, your sermon series at all while, we, while I've got you in here? Oh, yeah. I'm
0: doing a new sermon series uh, called What Christians Believe. We live in a in a culture that's where people are bombarded with all sorts of theological and philosophical ideas uh ideas from how to raise your children to uh what is and what is not right about the doctrines of god we're talking about specifically what christians believe it's important that christians know what they believe because we base our actions on what we believe Mm -hmm. and so this series is uh we're going to be talking this week about. We're, in fact, the whole series is from John. We're, we're going through. I'm going through this year the entire book of John. And at the very beginning, the Bible says, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made." At the very beginning of the of book of John, God tells us some very important things. Number one he tells us that the word of god is absolutely essential that christians must believe the word of god so and understand that the word of god is our is our um basis for everything that we believe so when culture comes along and culture does a cultural shift mm-hmm. we have We have a standard by which we can go. We can go back to the standard of the Word of God. Culture says homosexuality is okay, and it's all right for men to marry men. Well, I go back to the Word of God, and I see what the Bible says in Leviticus, that God says it's an abomination for man to be with mankind as he is with womankind, Then I understand that even if culture shifts, my basis is based on the Word of God. Uh, The the whole idea of abortion. We talked about that our first our first Sunday a couple of weeks ago. Uh if culture comes along and says, hey, it's Okay, to kill an unborn child. In fact, it's not really an unborn child. I go back to the authority of the Word of God, uh, where Jeremiah, the Bible says, was known in his mother's womb. Mm-hmm. Not only was Jeremiah, John the Baptist, and Jesus himself known in their mother's womb. David said that God knew me in my mother's womb. So the person is the person in the mother's womb. To take that person's life then is to murder. Mm-hmm. So we go back to the Bible. As our authority, so the first point was that the Bible is the Word of God, and it 's given to us in John chapter one. then the other other passages it deals deals with with the creation in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, all things were made by him we don 't believe in evolution okay. as Christians, we believe in the uh, in the sixth day, in the in the Genesis account of creation, that God created this world in six literal days. Why is that important? Because if we if we came from nothing, if we evolved from nothing, then in all actuality, we are nothing. Mm-hmm. So if you come from zero, you are a zero, and if you're a zero, then you can act any way you want to. That's right. why we have right. such problems in our culture. So these are the kind of things we're dealing with. What Christians believe, and how that affects our cultural view. And the, how that affects our cultural behavior. Very, very important series uh, What Christians Believe. This week uh, we'll continue that series on on Sunday morning.
3: All right, fantastic. That's 9.30 or 11.15 here at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard in Las Vegas. And what I love now is not only do we have a live stream through our website, but you can actually watch our service live on Facebook. We have a Facebook live stream of the service as well. You can go like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas and watch there if you are outside of the city. All right, well, thank you, Pastor Tice. I appreciate you coming in and telling us about uh, raising God's kids in Sin City.
0: Well, thank you, Dr. Heath. And (laughs) thank you for uh, having me. And uh,
2: may God
3: continue to bless all right. Thank you. We'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away.
2: There's no group in America, I think, that's been hurt more by Obamacare than young people. Young people were left on the chopping block. Let's talk about some basic stats. A recent study found that the Obamacare mandates, what Bernie just sang an ode to, have increased the three costliest mandates of increased premiums for younger people by 44 percent Without those mandates, the typical 21 year old would pay $1,100 a year less. If you're 21, think about whether it would be easier to afford health care if it cost $1,100 a year less. And let's talk about some specifics. Before Obamacare, the most affordable plan that was available for a 30 year old Texan, for a 30 year old Texan woman, was $470 a year. Today, under Obamacare, the cheapest plan that's available for a healthy 30-year-old woman in Fort Worth is $3,236. It's gone from $470 to $3, over $3,200. That's why young people are hurting. And go that, that Bernie chose not to answer is what do the Democrats say to the six million people who had their insurance policies canceled, who got a notification in the mail that, that you don't get to see your doctors anymore, and not just the people who were canceled. There are people all over this country who can't afford health insurance because of Obamacare, who the deductibles are so high, the premiums are so high, they say, you know what, my family, we can't make it. This, And, you know, you talk about the people covered by Obamacare. Here's, here's something most people don't know. Most of the people covered by Obamacare are on Medicaid. They jammed a bunch more people in Medicaid. Now, I'll tell you what happens. People on Medicaid have markedly worse health outcomes than people with private insurance. I'd like to to see a lot more people on private insurance able to be insured for health care. But but it's relevant. to He's saying people are going to lose their health care. If you want health care, we want as many people as possible to be able to afford insurance policies that protect you when you get sick. We're going to take away your guns. Those are rights. You know, what the Declaration of Independence said we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life liberty and the pursuit of happiness so what is a right is access to health care what is a right is choosing your own doctrine if you believe health care is a right Why on earth did you help write Obamacare that caused 6 million people to have their health insurance canceled, that had them Uh lose their doctors, and had people like LaRonda, who can't get health insurance, can't afford premiums. You're denying her what you say is her right.
3: All right, so that was a few highlights, a few of my favorite moments from last night. CNN aired a debate on health care with Senator Ted Cruz and Senator Bernie Sanders. Now, why anyone in their right mind would agree to debate Ted Cruz on any topic. I don't care if it's if if Whataburger or In N Out is a better burger establishment. And it really doesn't matter. Ted Cruz could argue that Whataburger is better than In and Out and he would win even though what, Whataburger is clearly uh, nowhere in comparison with In-N-Out. But you do not debate Ted Cruz. <laughs> like It does not matter what you think of Ted Cruz as a person or what you think of his politics. I have never seen anyone with the ability to debate like Ted Cruz can debate. But kudos to Bernie Sanders. Senator Sanders agreed to this thing. He stood up there with him. Probably the funniest thing was that I believe there were at least four instances in which Senator Cruz would go, he would read through actual literal facts and statistics that he had with him, like so many facts and statistics, (laughs) and he would then present a point based on these facts and statistics, and Senator Sanders would say, yes, now Senator Cruz is right about this, I agree with him about this, and then he would completely change the subject because Cruz just demolished his entire argument with some facts and then like uh, at one point it was basically um it was it was basically oh yes ted and his stats are right again let's change the subject a few seconds later plastic surgery and you're like what how do we how do we get here (laughs) it was it was so good, though. It was so refreshing. It was something that our country has not seen in a very long time. And that was a debate based on actual substantive issues, a debate where people actually talked about the merits of, of, a, of, a, of a program and a system in and of itself. There wasn't name-calling. There wasn't this, if I am elected, I shall do such and such and so forth, and I am wonderful and my opponents are all evil. No, there was none of that. There was no grandstanding. It was just a conversation and a really, really good, enlightening conversation on what socialists, because Bernie Sanders is, is a socialist, what socialists believe health care should be versus what a constitutionalist believes health care should be. It was it was excellent. If you want to have a good a good political thing for your kids to view, for your kids to learn about Obamacare, for you to learn about Obamacare, really, then you should watch this thing. It's like, I don't know, probably the actual debate itself is less than an hour. I think the whole thing was an hour and a half, but they had a a number of commercial breaks, so I'm guessing the debate itself is just over an hour. You could go and stream it online, and I'd encourage you to do that, especially if you're homeschooling. Sit your kids down and watch this debate. Really a good, substantive debate it will it will be a conversation starter and you will be able to clearly see what a socialist vision for healthcare in America is and how it affects people versus what healthcare we could have and did have prior to obamacare really excellent kudos props all the things to senator cruz and senator sanders for both agreeing to do this and i hope that they do more of these type of things in the future because this this was good this was substance and I thoroughly enjoyed watching this on a, on a random Tuesday night. So thanks to CNN for hosting that. Thanks to all of you for being here today. Those of you listening over at the405media.com, welcome and uh, goodbye because I'm about to leave. If you are here in Las Vegas, you should join us tonight for church at 6501 West Lake Mead Boulevard here in Las Vegas. If you're outside of Las Vegas, that's okay. You can still join us. You can watch at experienceliberty.com. There's a live stream there. Or if you like us on Facebook at LBC of Las Vegas... You can live stream our service on Facebook as well. You can find me, 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 on, uh, on Facebook or Twitter at The Friddle, and you can get past episodes of the show on SoundCloud or iTunes. Just search for The Friddle Show. Dun, 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 and you'll be there. All right, tomorrow we will have Billy Halliwell from Faithwire will be back with us. But for now, it's Find Us Faithful from Steve Green. Have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow, same time, same place.